Governor Jeb Bush, welcome back. Hey, Brian, how are you doing? Good, good, great. First off, I got to tell you, I'm, I have my book out, Thomas Jefferson, The Tripoli Pirates, and I had a chance to go to College Station with us. I got there early on purpose to go through your dad's museum. I could not get through it in the, in the hour and a half I had. But I'm wondering, for your perspective, when you walk into it, what do you see first, or what do you think stands out for you? Well, I think the um, the two things that stand out to me are the the uh, Berlin Wall, the fall of the Berlin Wall, and how my dad handled that, and then uh, Operation Desert Storm. But it was a pretty chock full of activity those four years. There was a lot of stuff going on, and the library depicts that that period of time where big things did happen. And uh, there was a steady hand as President of the United States, commander-in-chief of, of the greatest military force ever created. And, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of extraordinary things happened during those four years, for sure. I, I was just stunned, too, on the special that we had with the John Meacham book that he had recorded. He really felt like he failed after only getting four years. I never had that vision, but I never had a dad as a president. Was that your feeling, too? Look, I, I don't, you know, it's losing is not as good as winning. And I know he wanted to continue to serve. He felt like he let people down by not winning re-election. But history's been kind to my, my dad. And uh, and it'll continue to be that way because he was a principle-centered leader that uh, accomplished really big things and put his his own ambitions uh, aside to, right. to serve. And I think we need that kind of servant leadership again in Washington. Uh, Governor Jeb Bush joins us. Governor, the President of the United States spoke today uh, for 45 minutes. Each question he answered, uh, if you become president, I promise you'll answer short, with shorter answers, because I forget the question <laughs> almost every time. If you would make I that pledge. It. it looked like he was, uh, he was doing the rope at <laughs> It was unbelievable. He wore me out. I was on television, and I was worn out. But, Governor, I want you to hear what he said about proof that there is global climate change, because he pointed to Miami. Let's listen. You can put a price on the damage that climate change is doing. You go down to Miami, and when it's flooding at high tide on a sunny day, and fish are swimming through the middle of the streets. That was done. I mean, that's been proven debunked by Al Gore. You were the governor of Florida. There was, there was some flooding, but that wasn't due to global climate change, was it? No, no. We have, I mean, there, when you have uh, the full. You have a uh, first of all, if you if you don't have good growth management and you're not uh, investing in infrastructure, you could have flooding situation. But I don't know what he was talking about there. That's that's just not the case. Uh, Miami is doing pretty well. <laughs> we have thousands of people moving there. Uh, I, I don't know why the president feels compelled to overstate the uh, the possible potential long-range challenge of climate change and put it as the highest priority at the expense of economic growth, of whether people are stuck in poverty, about the declining disposable income of the middle class, and most particularly today about the threat of Islamic terrorism, a term he cannot say. He cannot talk about violent Islamic terrorism uh, in the same sentence. And that's the threat that he should be focused on. And he seems very reluctant to do it. It's just interesting that he said, I'm in a city here. He was asked about Planned Parenthood in Paris. And he said, those shootings just don't happen in other countries. Really? He's sitting in a city where 159 people were gunned down and over 300 were wounded. Does he realize what he's saying? There's a, there's, there's a disconnect as it relates to this fight that is the fight of our time uh, that, that 
by not being able to call it for what it is, by saying that, that uh, ISIS has been contained when three hours later you had this grotesque, tragic violence in Paris. Uh, almost every day there's another terrorist attack. Uh, we've let our guard down as it relates to our own efforts to protect the homeland with the, uh, when we reauthorized the Patriot Act without including uh, a robust metadata program. And, um, and this, this president has viewed all this as a law enforcement exercise, not as a serious threat to our way of life. Look, ISIS is organized around attacking our, vulnerability, our vulnerabilities, and our vulnerabilities relate to our freedom. In order to protect our freedom, we need to take them out. We can't contain them. We have to, we have, to have a strategy of destroying ISIS. Well, Hillary Clinton weighed in on this very topic, that very question. So let's hear how she would take down ISIS. This is cut 29. She would not send in troops. I agree with the president's point that we're not putting American combat troops back into Syria or Iraq. We are not going to do that. This Under fight, no circumstances well, would you not do that? Well, at, at this point, I cannot conceive of any circumstances where I would agree to do that. Can you? Yeah, I can. And the president announced, or Ash Carter announced, well, uh, I, I don't know why the president would feel compelled to announce this during his press conference, but that that uh, special operators are going to uh, be deployed in Syria. Those are those are combat troops. Uh, I think we need special forces for sure. We need to have much more uh, intelligence capabilities to identify where our sorties should go to, to be much more precise and destructive. We could, this is not the hardest military engagement that our country has faced in its existence. But when you put, tie, the arm, tie the hands behind the backs of the military and put preconditions on what they can and can't do, you get the result we have today. Uh, and this reluctance to lead is uh, a dangerous one because every day ISIS exists is another day they gain energy to recruit more and more people. We have, we've been effective in, in killing ISIS uh, terrorists, but they've actually probably recruited more people than, than they've lost. And it's because we're not, we're, we don't have a strategy. We're not in it for the long haul. We're not leading, which means that we'll have followers. We have none of that. We're not training the, the Syrian, the remnants of the Syrian Free Army. We're not embedded with the Iraqi military. We're not arming the, the uh, Peshmerga uh, Kurdish forces in northern Iraq uh, directly. We're not reengaging politically and militarily with the Sunni tribal leaders that were effective partners in the surge. Right. We're doing none of this to the degree we need to to be effective. And uh, Dan Coates said as much uh, today, about an hour ago. Let's listen. Well, it's clear that the administration is, is acknowledging now that we have to do more than what the president's strategy uh, called for. I know the president doesn't want to say that he's changing his strategy, but clear, this is a clear indication that that is the case. All of us have been saying, most of us have been saying for months and months that the current strategy is not working. I think this is an acknowledgment of that. And that's why they're changing their, their code. That's the Senate Intelligence Committee who is hand, handling respectfully the Secretary of Defense and the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff's feet to the fire. Now, I watched you, Governor, over the weekend on the Sunday shows. I don't know what's happened to me, but I used to watch all sports. Now I watch all, all the Sunday shows. <laughs> but here's what Dave Ignatius said about you after your interview, and he, of course, the Washington Post. My uh, strongest uh, imp impression was that Jeb Bush uh, did the thing he's got to do to survive as a candidate, which is to sound like a convincing commander-in-chief. I thought he gave a good account of how he would augment President Obama's uh, strategy for dealing with ISIS. I thought he was uh, powerful. 
in taking out, uh, calling out Donald Trump. Uh, I, I thought that this was a moment in which uh, he, you know, went to the heart of the matter, that Trump is playing on people's fears. So did you, I don't know if you heard that, but did you feel as though after that appearance, when you were talking foreign policy, that uh, you felt pretty strong about it? Well, I, I do think that, uh, you know, laying out the, the, the first real strategy to, to deal with ISIS I did three months ago, that I, as, the, as the world has turned, as we get closer to the election, the people are going to want to know who's going to sit behind the big desk, who's going to make, who has the ability to make tough decisions. Who has the steady hand? Right. Uh, and whether it's Hillary Clinton, who has a failed foreign policy, or Donald Trump, who's not a serious candidate as it relates to foreign policy, he doesn't have the intellectual curiosity. He doesn't. He basically takes all incoming from blogs or whatever else he says and just repeats it out. And uh, his views on on Syria have changed four times in the last month and a half. It's not a serious candidacy. He's an effective politician, for sure, but he's he's not um, giving people a sense that he could be commander-in-chief and be president of the United States right. as it relates to a serious foreign policy. So, the, so I think as we get closer to the election, right. people are going to be more focused on who has the leadership skills to actually be president. And we know that, you know, people are surprised. Governor Walker is out. Governor Perry is out. Governor Jindal is out. These are the people people say, put your money on. They're up-and-coming stars on the Republican side. They could not survive. You started out up top in the polls if there are indications, and maybe they're not. You're now struggling. You did not get—you uh, did not—stabilize. We're struggling. Now you've stabilized. You did not get the union leader endorsement. Here's Joe McQuaid on why. Cut three. Why Christie over Jeb Bush? He's, uh, it's, so why, we're state going in. Uh, Jeb Bush had one of the better states yeah. going in. Jeb Bush has not been a U.S. attorney, which I think is also a key in these troubled times. And Jeb Bush doesn't look like he wants it, and the public senses that. So I'm looking for somebody who can get the nomination, and I don't think either Bush or Kasich can do so. Your reaction? <laughs> I like Joe McQuaid. I've gotten to know him. I respect him newspapers in Portland, New Hampshire. But the idea that, that I don't want it as I'm traveling from Dubuque to Waterloo to, to Newton to uh, my final event tonight at 9 o'clock at night in Des Moines, uh, five stops every day, if, if not more, all across this country is, is uh, with all due respect to Mr. McQuay, he doesn't get out on the road with me. I want it. I want it the right way. I'm running hard. I'm running with heart, and I'm running to win. And um, we've got 60 days left for the Iowa caucuses. People are thinking about this in a, in a much different way than they were just a month ago. I feel good about our chances in New Hampshire, and I'm, I'm excited about where I stand. Uh, Jeb Bush is with us. Governor, uh, there's another book coming out. Uh, there's something about the people who love writing about the Bushes. Uh, McKay Coppins wrote it. She's a senior political writer at BuzzFeed. She says that Bush 43, your, your older brother, called you up after the struggles with explaining Iraq and your stance and what would you have done differently, if anything, with your first answer with Megan. He called you up and said, knock it off. I've been read the article four times. I don't know what he wanted you to knock off. But number one, did that, did that happen? And number two, what is your reaction to that? Um, this guy is just, you know, he's a gossip writer. That's what he is. This is the new journalism, Brian. Not, nothing uh, substantiated, just uh, throwing stuff on the wall and seeing if it sticks. So it never my happened. Brother wants me to, my brother wants me to win. He, he, uh, he's been giving me good, solid advice. Uh, I love the guy. But I'm going to have to win this on my own terms. This, this election, like all elections, is about the future. 
that's what I'm focused on. Uh, Governor, I got to ask you too. I remember succinctly when things started to schism a little between your brother's administration and Vladimir Putin. Your dad invited them both to Maine, and kind of had a summit. Like, hey, let's get back together. Remember, we're not enemies anymore. What can you tell us about that meeting, and what do you know, perhaps, about Vladimir Putin that President Obama doesn't? Well, I don't. I, I don't know much about the meeting. I do know that Putin had. Uh, Putin made the decision to move away from the West, and uh, for a variety of reasons. But it uh, it's now created uh, a serious challenge for the United States. We've allowed the bold Putin to uh, challenge the NATO, the North, Atlantic, North Atlantic Alliance, that has kept peace and security for large parts of the world uh, intact since World War II. And now in the Middle East, we're seeing a much more energized and engaged Russia that diminishes our influence, none of which is good for us. So I think the way you deal with Putin is you deal with him from strength, with clarity and transparency. Uh, he comes at us like a freight train. We should, we should be clear and transparent and strong with him, and he'll, he, he will respect that, and we can reach some accommodation. But when we're weak and vacillating, when, we, when he senses that we are in retreat, it creates dramatic potential for insecurity in the world. And I think perhaps that we're experiencing now. Lastly, a domestic issue. Common Core is having a lot of trouble in these different states. You, you're very, you're very, you were a very big supporter of it. Have you changed your stance at all? I'm for higher standards, and Common Core standards that were implemented by 45 states are higher, but they should not, there should be no federal government influence. And the reauthorization of the No Child Left Behind Act, which is going to happen this week, I believe, one of the few things that actually looks like it will happen, uh, and I don't know if the president will sign it into law, expressly prohibits uh, the federal government's involvement in the creation of standards, content, and curriculum. And I support that wholeheartedly. In fact, suggested that that, that be made part of the law. And this should all be a, a local and state decision. And if states want to have standards that are different than Common Core, fantastic. Some states do. They, just, they should just be higher, and we should assess to them in a way to make sure that when a kid graduates from high school, they're, they're either career-ready or college-ready. And right now, Brian, in all honesty, no more than 40% of our kids are truly career or college-ready. And that's going to play – it's going to create devastating outcomes right. for a whole lot of young people that will be surprised right. to know they have to retake high school reading and high school math before they start on their uh, – on their path to college. And real quick, Governor Jeb Bush, would you pay the $5 million? Should CNN pay $5 million to have Donald Trump attend the debate? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> is he holding CNN hostage? Yes. This is just another evidence the guy's not serious. He's not a serious candidate. Uh, I, I, I don't quite know what that means, but uh, we're all, we're all uh, fortunate to be able to run for president, to be able to speak Right. Uh, about the issues that are important to people, and hopefully CNN will run a, uh, a debate that is, you know, issue-oriented, and I'll be there. I'm sure Donald Trump will be there as well. Governor Jeb Bush, thanks so much. Best of luck. Take care. All right. Uh, Gretchen Carlson next. Kill me and friends.